0: everybody and welcome especially to Dino. Um,
1: Dino, as I mentioned before, is a Berkman fellow, been working on a number of different projects here at Berkman over the course of the past year, has also worked on um, our Youth and Media project in the past. He recently completed his oral defense of his PhD, which is an exciting milestone. Um, he's been a really amazing media producer for a number of very impressive outlets, um, of which you can see in his bio listed on the website. Um, and he's here today to uh screen is filmed for us um are you going to take us through the agenda for it yes or, so off to dino Thanks. you so um i'm gonna do a quick intro to the film oh, oh first thanks for being here i'm gonna do a quick intro to the film we'll show it uh then i'll do a quick wrap up and then ideally you'll have some questions and ideally i'll have answers that would be great uh so again my name is dino i'm a uh am I, I, a fellow here but i used to be a, a, a burke turn so welcome uh when I was a and I was uh, a poor student. Now I'm just a, a poor, slightly older graduate. So there's hope for all of you. So <laughs> um, I want to thank uh, Amr for organizing this with Carrie Anderson. I want to thank Dan Jones, who's always helpful with me for video. I want to thank Urs Gasser, of course, the great uh, director, executive director of Berkman. I also want to thank uh, Sandra Cortese uh, and Nathaniel Levy, who I've worked with a lot in the last couple of years, who have been only kind and highly supportive and encouraging with whatever I've done here. So thank you so much. Um, it was recently Father's Day, so I think for a lot of us, you'd reflect on your, your parents, and particularly your father. And I was really lucky as a kid. My father was a hairstylist, as you could probably tell by my hair. <laughs> and uh, so I spent a lot of time with him. Uh, I get out my little hands and knees, and I... We had those revolving barber chairs, so I'd I'd wipe them down and and shine them up. I'd go in the back of the salon and uh, clean the little uh, coloring uh, bottles he would use to do people's hair. I'd sweep up. I'd wash people's hair occasionally. It was a lot of fun. One of the best things I liked about being with my dad is I got to watch someone who really loved what he did. And it was really inspiring to see someone who's so focused and and really enjoy what he did. As as a role model for all of us, I think it's a great thing to see your parents loving what they do. But then also, being a hairstylist, obviously it's about doing hair, but it's also about establishing relationships. And literally, when you have a hairstylist, people will literally come in off the street. And so my dad was really good at befriending people. And a lot of times, these, these people who literally came off the street would become friends for decades. And I have a little bit of that at my best times. Uh, one time, specifically, I was in Los Angeles and I met a woman named Maria. She was a, a maid at a hotel. And we just started talking, and then over the course of our time, she spoke about how she grew up impoverished in Mexico. She met her husband there. They decided to make the jump to the U.S., and about the trials and tribulations of, of immigrating to another country and about how wonderful that was. And it was just a fabulous story. And if you saw her on the street, she seemed just like a regular person. And it was really interesting to see someone who, uh, who just, like just any one of us, has these great stories. When I think about Maria and the relationship I have with her, I think about my dad and my uncle as well as Maria. All of them have this sort of good ability at making people feel important and good and the burdens of our lives lift up. Um, if you ever met my uncle, and he's the fellow who's focused on this video, um, he's a very unassuming guy. Uh, just if you, he's a barber, uh, and if you went to, to his salon and he cut your hair, again, you'd feel really good about yourself. But I find sometimes when we have those relationships, we often don't ask the other people what, where they came from and how they got to where they are. So this uh, video I'm gonna show you, it's called Home, is uh, a little story about my uncle and his simple, quiet life. Let me get out of here for a second. Every winter, As the winds grew cold and howled over old Lake Chipican, I would always visit my uncle Victor, and he would share with me wonderful stories about the old country, his family, his friends. But no matter how much we spoke, he would never say why he left and never returned. So I decided to find out for myself.
0: Cousin Franco asked me when Victor would come to visit. And all I could think of in the middle of all this laughter and all these wonderful people is that seeing this is the closest he'll ever come to being back home. There's nothing I can do. It's me. That's my life. Um.
1: Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit about the context for it. Um, so, just really briefly to recap: so I was in Europe, staying with a high school friend of mine, Connor, and I phoned my uncle and I said, uh, "Victor, you have all these great stories from when I was a kid, but we never really talked about, you know, actually going to where where you grew up." And he said, basically, go to Trieste and take a bus or a train or a car and go down uh, down this peninsula, then uh, go east, and you're going to see a, a, a canal, go to this town, knock on a door and say, my name is Dino, Carlos is my dad, Victor is my uncle, are we related? And so I literally took a bus and went and did that. And it wasn't the first house, but literally it was the second house I went to. They, yeah, that woman, uh, Marina, my girlfriend came out. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so it was literally the second house. Um, during the trip, I was there in eight, for eight days in total, but after about five, I was going to leave. I I'd, I'd packed all my things. I was ready to go. And then I thought to myself, I hadn't still quite figured out why my uncle left. And then a little bit after that, like a day or two afterwards, I spoke to Marina, again, the, the old woman who's my, my girlfriend. And after talking to her, I was, I was thinking to myself, if I came back in a year or two or, or, or never. And if she's old enough, obviously, that people unfortunately pass, if she left, I'd be really sad. and I don't think the place would be complete, and I don't think I'd enjoy being there. And then when I thought about that, I went, oh, okay, now I get it. My uncle, because of his age, you know, a number of people just passed away for natural causes. A number of them just migrated out. And then the people that are still there, they look a little bit different. The, the city's changed. And then when I came to that realization, I went, I don't have the full story, obviously, because it's, it's my uncle's story. But I, I had an appreciation for why he left. Um, logistically, about the actual shooting, so I was there for eight days, and I shot about nine hours of footage, and I shot another four back here in North America. Um, for those of you who are, uh, so for those of you who are good in languages, so I'm originally from Canada. My first language is English. My second language is French, and so I had a dictionary and a verb book. So when I was talking to them or interviewing them, I'd have a sentence I'd think of, and I'd think of the words, and I get some couple of nouns, and I couple, get a couple of verbs, and I'd kind of conjugate them in structurally like in French. And I, I think if you notice, some of the times I was asking questions, they're kind of like a French-English amalgam. And so over the course of the time, I spoke better and better Italian, although it wasn't great. And so then sometimes when I'd be interviewing them, I'd be interviewing them for a long time. Like sometimes it would just take a long time to, to talk to them about their stories. And so I'd ask them the questions, and then they'd answer, and because my Italian's not my first language, I was like, I think they're saying something that matches this question, but I'm not exactly sure. So then eventually I have again nine hours of uh, Italian footage, four hours in English. And so for those of you at uh, video edited, you can put like a loop. So I was like io mi chiamo dino, and I would look in a like I would look to find out what Io is. I'd find me nome dino, and then I would do the, the uh, subtitling. It literally took me, like I could have got someone to transcribe it, but it just didn't feel right because this is obviously really highly personal. Uh, it would take me about an hour per minute of subtitling. So literally just for like that, it's like 24 minutes. So it would literally take me a day just to do subtitles. Uh, it got so bad one time, I had a friend of mine, Lauren. I phoned her on a Thursday and I said, hey Lauren, I'm feeling a bit I'm feeling a bit squirrely. And she said, well, when was the last time you were outside? And I said, oh, that would be Sunday. So I would get up, I would edit all day, I'd go to sleep, I'd get up and rinse and repeat, and it would go on for a long, long time. Um, I, so this was overtly something for myself and my family, and then I showed it to mixed groups. Uh, when I brought it to my uncle, I felt kind of like, you know, like when a bird goes back to the nest, like the m- mama or papa bird brings back like a worm. I felt kind of like that, I was bringing something back that was a gift. And so I, I got my uncle a VCR, and we played a tape, and he he didn't really like it so much. And again, I, you know, sometimes you come to these realizations that take you a little while. And I think part of it was, was that, again, the people that he knew, a lot of them were gone. There's a, a picture towards the end. There's like a black and white photo of this gentleman, and then they show him with a microphone. So, you know, this guy, he hadn't seen him for years. And so seeing these things, I think, is a bit harder. And especially generationally, you know, he grew up before television. And I think even if you did, it would still be pretty uh, uh, bizarre. Uh, so I just uh, finished my oral defense for my uh, dissertation, which was great. And I end up this is kind of the the, the extra for this. I've been using that with uh, classrooms in uh, New York. And so I have kids uh, myself and a teacher will share visual media like this and photography and then they'll be talking about their immigration experience. And it's been a lovely, lovely experience. So I've had a lot of really uh, emotionally honest, and uh, touching, uh, sharing by a, a lot of kids in New York City. And it's been fabulous. And, and part of the reason I did that was I'm an adult. I know a little bit of my family's history, not as much as I'd like. And obviously because some of the issues here, they're, they're really hard to try to broach. Uh, um, I find my uncle, I haven't lived in the same city as him for a long time. And so, you know, when you're with relatives for a couple of days, you don't want to, oh, let's let's go really, uh deeply into our family history you want to just enjoy your time with them and then this felt like i had to sort of um peel some layers of some things i think i should have spoken to him about and I, eventually i have so that's basically all i have for this if you do have any questions i also uh, have these pens and pencils and uh these sheets if you want to pass them around if people haven't filled them out uh this is like a rough cut so it's it's just been it's just been like loosely edited, so if you have any uh, suggestions about it, please feel free to write them on the form. And if you have any questions for, uh, in terms of a Q&A, please raise your hand and I'll tr- do my best to address whatever questions you have. And, and thanks for watching, I really appreciate it. Okay, Go ahead. One, is he still really determined that he's not going to go back and see these people who you filmed? And two, is your fa- the story of your father, why he left, more straightforward? The, um, I, yeah, I'm, it's, uh, I'm convinced he won't go back. Okay. Uh, there's something, again, it was my, my thoughts about Mar- Marina when my, I, you know how like genetically I think we're very similar to our, our relatives. Um, I think we're very, uh, there's almost this pristine nature to what he left. That's this really nice integrated hole. It's almost like you have a present that's wrapped up and I think he finds, I think he's finding that. He just would rather leave it at that. And I'm, I'm, I know he won't go back, especially with my father deceased. He won't. And you know how you have, like, siblings. My father was the much more adventurous traveling type, and my uncle's more of a stay-at-home guy. Uh, the second question. Oh. Uh, your was, was the story of his more straightforward? and understand. Yeah, and, and so he, when he was working, he did some more manual labor that he didn't like. I think um, when he was there in uh, Italy back in the old days, uh, economically it wasn't doing very well. Never went back either, right? No. So, I'm about
2: your relationship to the camera. Um, I think some of the, you know, <clears throat> the conversations are just so intimate um, that you're having with your family. So, just in those moments, how you kind of negotiated your relationship to the camera, and also how, how did you negotiate the camera with your family members?
1: Yeah, um, it was funny. So I, I did a media program. I think there's something where, you, where you're into media and you, you're into stories. You can get so into them that and maybe in, in retrospect, they don't seem as uh, tactful as you'd like. So if I was there for eight days and I shot about nine hours of footage, so it would be about an hour a day. So most of the time I did just uh, chat with them. Um, it's 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 weird being a visitor for people that you don't know, um, especially if they're related to you. It literally felt like there was a scene, Euphemia, she was the first person that really spoke on camera, and she's like, oh, I look a lo- enough like my dad, and no one came back, and I look enough like him, so it's like, it's, it's, it's like, it, it's, um, like the cliche line, it's like an elephant in the room. Um, so there was something the whole time where We all liked each other. Uh, We all like very. I think our family just likes to goof around and have fun, and so we're there. I'm newly there. I don't know them, so I'm trying to ingratiate myself, enjoy the company, and then I felt inclined because my uncle started asking questions. But it took a long time, and so again, similarly, in terms of the integration of the camera, it was more of a, a slow migration, and yeah, and people, I think they understood. What I was doing, and I think they appreciated it. And, and again, it's it's weird where, for my family members, I speak French passably well, and I'm I guess the slightly more adventurous one, like I'm I'm studying in the U.S. So I felt it as well. It's almost like this artifact. And when I talked to them about, about it, it's like a family artifact for them back home because I don't know if they'll ever come. And so I think all those things sort of made it integrating it made it simpler. Although obviously it is a bit problematic. Well, what kind of relationships did you establish with uh, people of your generation uh, in this family? Oh, we we it's, we seem like collegial, like we're we're pretty friendly with each other. Um, it was it's strange. I'm a I'm a uh, I am i am do not have any kids. The ones that my and, and I'm not married, so there's uh, I perceive there's a little bit of a gap linguistically and also yeah. life life yeah, wise. I just mean sons
0: and daughters of your father's generation.
1: That's what I mean by your yeah, yeah, yeah. The the ones that were of my age were again just linguistically is a little bit different. And then I think because of their life roles, again, uh, the ones that were of my age, like it was Roberta, the one who's talking about the in 1918, the the Italians game. So they're I, I, around my age, but because of the marriage and the children are, are there's a little bit of golf. I mean, we got along. Everyone got along really well, really, really well. And I felt people were really generous throughout the time because again, it's like. I just happened to be there and it was funny where it was it was as provisional as so this bus goes and loops and so I get dropped off and it's so so strange like so I've been in Europe for a little while I had my typical European knapsack I have a still camera and a, and a video camera and it's like August so it's really hot so I start walking and there's this path like there's a divergence and I'm like I hope I picked the right one because I don't wanna sleep in a bush like because I, I don't know if I'm gonna find anyone so I literally went, and you, you sort of take these chances, and I think they kind of appreciated the fact that I was adventurous enough to, to find them. So,
3: do you leave the the, the post production the way it is, or do you plan to refine it? Because I think the way it is, it's very raw, but I like it that way because I think it conveys that sort of personal personality, like close intimacy that you that you would lose if you had. High level of production because you said it's not finished yet it's a very raw version I, I really like that and I also was wondering you put the revelation that it's actually Sosici are in Croatia you put that in the end on purpose right and you you plan to leave it there I think it's a really it's an excellent effect because all the time I was I know that it's in that it's Croatia so all the time I was thinking why are you talking about Italy yeah when, when it's Croatian? but then it. I think that was a really powerful effect because it really a lot of it really conveys something that is very specific to that area, and that is the, that that conflicts that always draw people away.
1: And, and it's interesting, when I grew up, so my father and my uncle, before they left, it was Italy. And then it's, it's something that they just never broached. Like, there was never once in my entire life they said, oh, by the way. Uh, and then it's strange where I, in my dissertation, I have these prefaces for the chapters, and so, it's about uh, The one preface is about them in the war and dealing with some of those issues and leaving. And later on, it, it talks about their integration into the Canadian community. And then it's the legacy of immigration. So it's partly one uh, narrative uh, anecdote is about my sister playing basketball. And then my dad, he's driving them home from basketball. And he said, hey, girls, they, they just won a game. So they're all jumpy. And he's like, uh, stop acting so dumb. D-U-M, dumb. And so they start giggling because he spelled it incorrectly, and it's strange where. So we have these immigrant paths, and I, you embrace them, but at the same time, you can sort of push parts of them away. And I found when I was a kid, there's certain things I think I should have asked, that I just never, I never did. And there's certain things they didn't want to broach, for you know, for obvious reasons. They're really pretty loaded. And then, and then again, it's very strange. It's like I, I find these things almost. Uh, we, we're genetically uh, similar. Uh, I've been socialized a certain way. I'm, I'm one of those types of, like to have people happy. And I think, again, my, my dad and my uncle are in a service industry. My sister is a, a principal. They're in industries where they try to have people get along. And it's, it's really hard to say, hey, kids, one day, oh, you're 12 years old. Let me tell you the tale. And it just never got talked about, which is, again, it's, it's, it's very strange. But given my family comp, uh, context and the way that we socialize with each other and the way that we are, yeah, it's strange.
2: you mentioned uh, that you were using this film um, as a part of uh, a learning uh, experience in the classroom. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Uh,
1: so I the, I've had the great pleasure of working in uh, New York City schools for the past several years. And so um, I thought about this video and how much I learned about myself and my, uh, my background of, of my family and I thought, how can I have kids do this? And so I've embedded the video, some photographs from it, and some other visual media into the social studies curriculum in New York City. And so we'd share, myself and this teacher would share a series of lessons Like where we'd have mapping exercises and we'd talk about Ellis Island. We'd do drawing exercises. They'd bring in artifacts. And then from that, I focused on a couple of case studies. Uh, one girl is from, uh, from, she's an immigrant, 10 years old. The boy, who's also 10 years old, is a natively born American. And it's just them talking about the idea of immigration and exploring their emotions. Because, unfortunately, schools, because of the accountability era, exploring emotions doesn't seem to be, in a lot of places, uh, very very important. And with now, with teacher um, merit pay being based on uh, English language art scores and literacy scores, it becomes really difficult to do those things. So I've been really happy to be able to do that. Uh, One of the things I found that I like about it, the class I was working with specifically for my dissertation was 21 students, 17 of which were second language learners. And it's almost like, you know, when you read in a foreign language, there's this cognitive load, like it gets gets very heavy. And then if you ask them to write, it, it can be also as heavy. What we would do is interleave things where they would read in English, and again, being second language learners, and then they'd write and sometimes the writing wouldn't be as, as as thorough or as involved because of i think the cognitive load is so heavy then conversely we'd be trying it with the video and then because a lot of them are uh english language learners like second language learners uh the video the the photographs the artifacts they brought in would really elicit like much more in deep writing and very emotionally candid and honest stuff like like to a point where I was worried that it might become too honest and too deep and i'm i 'm I'm an educator i'm not a I'm not a psychologist, so I was worried that it, I could get into issues that would be but but luckily, they were all like uh the stories that I heard were really touching, but they were something that I felt in the in the context of a classroom or something that it was okay to talk about and similarly, what it was really nice is that the kids when they share their artwork with one another, they were really respectful like it was really really nice to see and I find. In a lot of a lot of situations with adults, but also with kids, when you you uh, think about them in the best way possible, they seem to respond in kind.
2: A second, in terms of how you are, you know, continuing to edit your film, I too really responded to the the, the revelation. Uh, I did not know uh, the the history of the, the place except all of the extra. Uh, hooks and dots and all that stuff led me to believe that there was something going on. I would really love to see not only personal narrative but some more social, political kind of yeah. information, because I think that is another thing that so much of the immigrant story work that I am privy to is emphasizing the 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 uh, coming to the states, right? But what about understanding the shifting terrains of your of your nationality. That is very unique and interesting and could potentially give the students a whole different kind of set of tools in addition to processing the emotion and, you know, telling your own stories.
1: We were talking about in the the defense how from my uncle's generation, it seems like when you leave your nation state, it's almost like like a binary where it's like you're either home or you're away. And now it's the membrane separating the two seems much more permeable. Like as an example, I'm I'm here as a student from Canada, which you know doesn't seem that big a deal, but it's it's what it is. And I think there's a lot of people in this room that are probably from other countries, and th- having a bi-national or tri-national identity seems to be more and more of a common uh, occurrence. Similarly, the kids I work with, although socioeconomically they're not, uh, it's a it's a Title One school that I was working at. A lot of them travel more than I would have thought, and then maybe I was a captive to the fact that there were seven kids in my family, we, we would travel almost not at all. Like we would travel to my, our farm and we would go play in the fields and pick up uh, potatoes. Like that was, our, that was our traveling. And so now there's a lot more of, like with people's disposable income and some of the choices they make, there's a lot more traveling. And we would do some mapping exercises where uh, kids seem to have, uh, again, their, their identity isn't as fixed as it might've been back in my uncle's generation. Because it's, it's again, it's more permeable, uh, navigating at least two nationhoods. So.
3: I think reflecting on an earlier comment, also watching your movie made me want to learn more about your dad. It's almost like he's in, you know, it's, it's a bit of a question mark. Like you focus on your uncle, obviously mm-hmm. because he's, he's alive and he, he has stories to tell. But there's there's a bit of a mystery about your dad, and I don't know if that. Works. Or conscious or or on purpose. But that I definitely raises a question when watching
1: the film. It's it's interesting how these, these narratives play out. Like it's I've read somewhere in terms of journalism, once you write okay, so when you have a story, it could turn into an infinite number of possibilities, but once you have your first sentence, it fixes into a really limited number of things. I found for this, like, just, I'm just explaining the way it went as opposed to, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not apologizing by any means. Uh, the story felt best that it was my uncle's journey, but then it was me on his behalf doing the journey. So there's almost like this dual protagonist. And I did a cut before where I was at the end that I think it found it is a bit jarring because I'm, I'm really not seeing because the camera is kind of my identity for most of this. Um, yeah that, that's, a, that's something interesting where i'd like to explore no, that 's a great idea like uh, exploring my father 's background and his transition like it's touched on very lightly like, very like to a point like I could say it was touched upon because it was, but it was like in, in, very much in passing
3: Why did you leave and, and, why, and then we, you say that you won 't your uncle, his brother to come. Like, I couldn't help asking myself, "Oh, but why? Why did you dad that in the first place? And mm-hmm. what was his life in terms of that
1: world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like he's in Canada?" Yeah. And luckily, when he came over, it, um, at the time things were more financially secure, and you know, he, um, they were worried. <laughs> so funny when you hear these things. They used to. They had a, a massive distrust for banks, so they would they would do things like digging holes in the backyard and putting lots of cash in the, in the backyard because they were afraid that banks would be nationalized. Like, obviously in Canada or the U.S., in a number of countries, that hasn't happened, but they were worried because of their history. And they're doing this, you know, a lot, lo- a lot longer uh, in their lives than they should have. They should have went, oh, things are pretty stable here, so we can put money in a bank. It's, it's, it's fine.
4: curious, you took this trip and did all this for your uncle? Did he specifically ask you to or did you just decide this was a thing you were going to do for him in a way that was really kind of more about you? Cuz I would love to see that explored. At least my impression from the film as it stands is that he didn't necessarily exactly say, "Hey, I would really like it if you did this thing for me," but more just sort of acquiesced and gave you enough information to find the town, and I would love to see that tension explored more.
1: Yeah. yeah and it, it's it's interesting, there is, a, I think in the, uh, in the write-up for this, it is, it is this um, tension between an older generations uh, wanting to move on and we wanting to find out. And there's something about uh, leaving a place. Like, like these days, again, the people that are in this room that are from another country, I, I'm assuming, have come here by choice. At those, at those times, and some of the reasons touched upon this, about this video, it's, it's not necessarily forced, but it is in some ex- extent. They were classified. My father was classified as a refugee when he came over, so you could say he was forced. Um, I yeah, I would I would totally uh, acknowledge what you're saying. Like he didn't, because he, he, he didn't he didn't say, hey, he hey, hey, do you have a camera there? Go go and shoot yeah. a video for me. And it was one of those things that, as I've gotten older, and you have these questions about identity that you explore mm-hmm. when you go to college. Up until that point, I just. Uh, there's this love, I don't want to say hate, this, love, this attraction, repulsion to your past. And it took me until I was in college to, to want to explore that. And then part of it was I happened to be, I had some facility making stories, and this is an interesting story to talk about. And then how do I get my uncle to talk about these things? It's, it gets difficult. And, and in a lot of ways, I wanted to talk to him and them there's a reason why I was there for eight days. Like I wasn't yeah. there for two. And part of it was it's a slow integration into. And then it was, oh, Dino, you're the son of Carlo, who you've not seen for a long time. I'm feeling very emotional. So everyone's like, there's something going on. Everyone knows we should talk about it sometime, but no one wants to. And that tension's a bit. Uh, I have that tension with my uncle, but not quite as acutely because he, you know, he sees me every year.
0: So um, when this started off, I was thinking I'm watching an episode of um, Who Do You Think You Are? And we have the whole setup with the family mystery that you're going off to solve, and especially when you got into the World War II stuff, I said, oh, it's going to turn out that uh, the family was fascists or communist partisans or um, something else, or there's <laughs> oh, an illegitimate birth or something like that. And then we end up with nothing um, as the answer at the end. So is this kind of a conscious? effort on your part to to counteract that um family drama genealogy show and 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 say something different uh, about the way families work yeah. i think
1: there the departure was based on you know things are are going down here we need to leave like in in Europe at the time uh in terms of like so again so i i'm 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 like captive to what my uncle would say and so when he tells stories again the the intro the first chapter for this dissertation is about them leaving and about how there is there are some uh... fascists coming into their town so how do you deal with that and then they're left with this this point where we're not particularly my uncle's not particularly political but if you feel unsafe if you you worry that you're if you see people getting killed um... there's a tendency to make a really hard decision uh, I don't know how complicit he was in that, in terms of uh, his background. I don't think he was. He's, he's at, the, at, and at the age; he was pretty young. And, and that community seems very much—it was just a very rural community that, unfortunately, was in the wrong place.
0: I, I, it was more that your your show, your movies tends to set up for some dramatic reveal, yes, which never never happens, happens. Mm-hmm. and um, and I'm curious as if that's intentional um, uh, um, or not.
4: Was Which is really interesting to me. I mean I, As yeah, I, I also have a world war two era relative that I pester about stories all the time and who just never wanted does not want to, and it was the worst thing is my grandmother and My grandfather had dementia before he died and for a while he spent the last couple of years in 1944 like permanently So all he wanted to talk about was the war and you could just see it was like she was gonna lose it like, I think it's, it might just be a World War II thing. Like, people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to relive it.
2: I saw
0: it,
2: uh, I, I really saw it a little bit. I mean, I saw it that originally I think he posited the issue, in order to understand why my uncle doesn't want to go back, and I suppose it could have been your father too if he was still alive. I, in order to understand that, I have to understand why he left. But I think it turns out that at least in part, it has nothing to do with why he left. It has to do, to, to do with the fact that his brother is gone and his brother was a point of referral to him, it was his older brother, right, two years older. His brother brought him over to the States or to Canada, right? And it's just too painful for him to confront or to want to do anything because this older brother won't be there. That's the way I took it. Maybe yeah. it has to do with my own family dynamics. Yeah. I don't know, but curious to know how <coughs> much that links true to you or whether I'm forcing the evidence.
1: With, with uh, for one of the questions from earlier on, with my, with my father being passed away, that was like, if there was if there was a chance for my uncle to go back, it, it stopped when my father passed away. And yeah, I think like my uncle's more like, you know, sometimes people live more interior lives. And again, maybe I'm stretching the analogy, but it's like he has in this box of his memories that's been um, sort of adorned with his relatively poetic ways of describing it. He has some good memories and bad. And I think he doesn't want to change those things because of the emotional difficulties he's had in the past and then without my father to Mm -hmm. nudge him along like if like if my father had lived longer i think he might have gone back you know there's a dynamic there that my dad's more of the let's go and then i don't know if my uncle would feel he had a choice not to go but with my father gone there's no way he would go so go ahead please the people who stayed who you visited you know they're they're a remnant italian community in what's now Croatia, do they basically live their lives as if Croatia wasn't there and they're still and it's still Italy? I mean, does it matter a whole lot to them that, that where they live is not part of Italy? No, I think they've, they've just uh, embraced their their present, so it's it's easier for them. We had to speak in Italian the whole time because because of the my background in in French, and so um, they would speak Italian to each other a fair bit when I was there. Okay. Do they live their lives in Italian. For the for the, when I was there, they were right, but and they would it. and they would like, it, you know, how there's certain parts like that area um, was relatively touristy, and so they'd have a lot of people from Germany being tourists, and so and then there's this thing where um, they would speak multiple languages, so I think there's this thing where they kind of go back and forth. Oh, and just hold on, um, just for people's time checks. It is one thirty. I'm more than willing to stay, but I know sometimes people have to go and do things. So please feel free. I won't be offended, anyways.
3: In Istria, everyone speaks Italian, and and the Croats speak Italian, and then it, 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 those of Italian origin also kind of speak Croatian. So it's all but Italian is widely spoken, and they watch all their television in Italian. my friends from there basically. Italian is their second language. So it's as if
1: they were not, it's, it's as, as if they if were still in so, Italy? It's
3: so, it's so blurry. They, they really don't, there's no, it's kind of malleable.
4: It's it, as if. Is that true all the way down the Dalmatian coast?
3: Uh, I don't know, but in Rovin, where society is closed, it certainly is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting how those things would play out. Like, again, there'd be a sort of a higher, I would assume there'd be a higher preponderance of people speaking Croatian the further you go down the, the Dalmatian coast, yeah. and then
4: Instructions you had in, in, um
2: to, to how to get in touch with your family because it seems like that's the kind
4: of instruction one would give in nineteen thirty or something. I mean,
1: are they not in touch at all? Yeah, you, you, yeah, you would think I would get a phone number, but I literally had just directions to go to this, go down this peninsula and there's a there's a canal there. Go, go east, go east, young man, and you'll find, hmm. maybe you'll find someone.
3: So how did they get the picture actually? How did they
4: receive the picture?
3: I, I imagine... My
1: father would have mailed them no. back. And... They
4: have an address yeah. He had one,
1: Yeah. which he didn't give you. Yeah, if you if you, if you look at a ma- okay. if you look at a map, it's like one of those like I have looked in maps subsequently. It's one of those towns that's so small. It's like you, it's not on a regular map. Like it's that small. <laughs> like it's a town. I think that the total population is. I think it's five hundred. The last time I heard. So it's like something where if you have. Like well, There's a, a, a scene showing some maps and you can't see it there, so it's that small.
2: The conclusion of the film, um, you know, what, what your uncle says basically in the final sentence as why he didn't go back, it seems like what he's saying is the, the reason I won't go back is that I don't think I have the resilience to readjust to coming back again. Mm. So it seems like maybe that would be an entirely different story, but it's the story of, adjusting to the new place is what he does. Do. Coming back again is what he can't do. It's not necessarily going back,
1: it's mm. coming
2: back again.
1: Yeah, I th- yeah the leave taking is very difficult. Like for myself, it was hard, as you see in, in the documentary, and obviously for him back in the day, where it was hard for me knowing that although some of the older people I might not see in a subsequent trip, I'll see most of them. For someone like him back in those days, those, those journeys are pretty profound. Like and again, he he's not the traveling type. I think he really thought you know I'm not going to go back, and I'll be, I mean, yeah, and he obviously he hasn't so
0: When are you going back?
1: No. I'm, I might go this I might go in a month. No. Yeah, so that should be fun. Film. Yeah, uh, I hope I can find the uh, the village again
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Any more questions? For free. I have a, I have a, like a, oh, we can talk. Um, and, ple- and please, I, this is, again, I really appreciate the, the oral feedback, but if you have any written thoughts, please write them down on those sheets that I don't have anymore, of. but they're around here. So, yeah, and, and, and I, I really appreciate, like, the rawness of it, I think, matches the emotion. Like, if, if it, it's actually better, I think, that it's slightly handheld. Like, I, it's relatively static for handheld, but it's, yeah, you can tell it's like someone's behind the...